0: radio
1: as america's zone coach premier thought leader and the world's number one coach of champions jim fannin is the go-to person he has guided the careers of the best pro athletes from 10 sports and business executives from 50 industries he has coached individuals families relationships, and students in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. From winning Wimbledon, the World Series, and a gold medal, to losing 68 pounds, saving lost marriages, or overcoming financial ruin,
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Jim Fannin Show. I'm Jim Fannin. I'm with my uh, partner, sidekick, uh,
0: Seth Hurd. Hey, H- Seth. Hello. It's great to be back at the most positive place, the most positive show in media, The Jim Fannin Show. We've got some fantastic stuff to talk about today. But before we do that, holy cow, when we asked you to share this with your friends, you did. <laughs> so if you've been with us since the very beginning hang with us because it's always a good refresh uh, to remind yourself of why you're here and what we're here to do together in 2018 and beyond. If you're brand new and you just joined us last week for the concentration episode, we realized that we've been growing and maybe haven't given you the whole story. So I'm going to give my, my my experience in discovering the blueprint and the zone. I get a call from a mutual contact of of mine and Jim's, uh, you know, before we started episode one and just said, hey, you know, this guy has coached more successful people in sports and business than anybody else on earth. And I'm a journalist by trade or or have been in the past. That's not my full-time occupation now. So, you know, what they teach you in college is, you know, if your mother tells you who loves you, she loves you, get a second source, check it out. Right. (laughs) So I was like, even for mom (laughs) even for your mother that that kind of media school did you go to (laughs) wow and so i thought okay maybe maybe this guy's done it or you know unfortunately there are a lot of people on linkedin that say i'm you know the most successful coach at successing that's ever successed and so you know i met up with jim and then i realized that holy cow uh you have coached people in the nba nfl nhl mlb the olympics the national uh equestrian association the world series of poker and uh have worked with sports Illustrated. you've been featured in sports illustrated golf magazine cosmopolitan esquire fortune and you have worked with some of the largest companies in the world and so then i was like okay so this this is like a thing and i at the time, I had no blueprint for my life. I, I've been called a thing before. <laughs> thank, thank you, Seth. It's a thing. You know, I would recently started a business after doing five years of side work. Kind of figured it was now or never. At some point, you got to go for it. And it was going okay, but I didn't have a blueprint for my life. And I had no idea of the existence of what we call the score system. And so if you don't know what those things are, strap in. This is going to be a game changer. Uh, just a, a quick overview before we get into who's in the zone, which is how we always start our show. Before we get into the body of the show, we give you the tools, tips, and tactics to have an incredible day, month, week, year, and beyond. So, first of all, a, a real quick introduction to the score system, the S C O R E, which we'll get more into in the body, but just what each one of those letters stands for.
2: Well, I think we all know that attitude is everything. You know, if you're in a positive attitude, uh, that'll pull you out of a rut. Uh, That'll pull you from the deepest uh, uh, despair or depression, and sometimes when you're at your lowest, uh, attitude will really pull you through. Is it okay
0: if I quote Oprah real quick because she's kind of having a week
2: (laughs) Uh, Oprah is uh and was and and has been in the zone she's definitely a
0: zone performer you know and because of all the the attention that she's received this week over the golden globes and the the movie by all early buzz that she's in later this year looks like it's going to be just amazing Uh, you know but her line about you know you change your attitude you change your life that's a paraphrase but if you've heard that from Oprah before that's what the score system's all about.
2: So Attitude, um, in, in the early 1970s, to, to take everybody that far, uh, I realized that Attitude had five markers that collectively, these individual markers formed your overall attitude at any given time. And through a lot of research, and, and, and part of that research was asking 100 world champions in business and in sports, why are you great? Uh, It came back loud and clear that there were five markers. Uh, Self-discipline, that's having a blueprint, that's having well-defined goals, uh, that's having tasks that lead to those goals, but it's having a vision, not not just in your main business or career, but in every facet of your life, self-discipline. That's a willingness and that's a commitment to stay with those tasks, to reach the goals that take you to a vision. The second marker was concentration. We talked about that last week. That's just focusing energy, putting tunnel vision. And Seth, that's just locking in and being present in the moment, next step, next task. And then third, and that's what our show's about today, that's optimism. That's believing you can do it. Kind of like Alabama uh, this past uh, Monday night Uh, Being down 13 to nothing, uh, did they believe they could come back? Well, I think they went beyond that. Uh, They not only believed it, they expected it, and they had a sense of knowing, and that is optimism. And that that has a jurisdiction over confidence and trust and and, uh, uh, faith. Uh, But you also need equal parts of relaxation and definitely enjoyment. And it's those five markers that form an acronym SCORE, and that's, that makes up your overall attitude. So in this show, everyone, you know, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, doesn't matter whether you're in sports or, or you're a business person, everybody listening, you have a score level. And it, it belongs to you no different than a, a fingerprint. So this is your psychological fingerprint uh, on what your attitude is at any given time. S-C-O-R-E. And all five of those intangibles, Seth, trigger natural chemicals in the body that actually give you those feelings of confidence, of being relaxed, of being locked in. So it's real. Uh, When your score level is at a high state, your body is changed. Uh, And that's where peak performance resides. And when that happens, that's also when you attract the zone.
0: And the zone is something that we do here every single week. We're going to get into more tools and tactics in just a minute, but we always start out by breaking down the world-class performances that we have seen in the week before. And don't think of this as something that you know you're not necessarily going to like every sport or every entertainment arena we ever dive into, but there's always something to learn from a championship performance and that could be the college national championship, it could be the Oscars, it could be the Grammys in this season. But this week, I mean, the performance that will be discussed for the rest of the year, college national championship game. We don't blame you if you didn't see the whole thing, because I think a lot of people turned it off at halftime, just like last year's Super Bowl. And then apparently the lesson we're learning is if it's a championship game, you might want to keep watching that thing, because you never know how this is going to turn out. Holy cow.
2: Well, stress, uh, which it was stressful for the University of Georgia, Uh, who have not won a national title in decades. And then, of course, the perennial uh, team, Alabama, that's knocking on the door of the national championship uh, every year, it seems like. Uh, They face off head-to-head. What a football game. Uh, As I watched that game, Seth, Alabama came out of the tunnel loose, and I tweeted this out. Uh, how loose they were, how much passion and fun they had. And then the University of Georgia football team in the tunnel, this is before the game, they had a business mindset. I mean, no one was laughing, smiling. It was businesslike. And at that moment, I realized that uh, Georgia was locked in, and I knew that uh, Alabama was loose, that something was going to happen early uh, to really dictate that game. And in the first uh, ten minutes of that game, Alabama had a a chance early uh, to put a score on the board. They uh, didn't make a touchdown pass with a guy wide open in the end zone, and then missed a field goal uh, easy, especially uh, after a penalty moved them back. And they had to they made it. Uh, they were going to make it the first time. Then there was a penalty, and they they missed it. So they, Georgia dodged a bullet, really, uh, to have an even score, and then Georgia really locked in, couple of field goals, touchdown, thirteen to nothing. They're up at halftime, and a lot of people, Seth, probably turned it off, but you cannot underestimate Nick Saban, thirteen and zero against his assistant coaches that leave him and go somewhere else. So now we've got Kirby Smart, great coach, great assistant with Saban, now leading the Georgia Bulldogs, and uh, Kirby Smart knows uh, exactly everything about Nick Saban. But I've said this many times, the master knows, and everybody else believes. But knowing always trumps belief. And I believe Kirby Smart had his team believing at halftime. I would love, Seth, to have been on the uh, fly on the wall to listen to Nick Saban halftime talk because he definitely uh, got his team in the zone in the second half, down 13 to nothing. And he did something that took a lot of guts. He took out the starting quarterback who'd only lost twice in two years, and he put in a true freshman quarterback in the most pressurized situation, this is a time when anybody could choke. Tua Tonga Vialoa. I did pretty well. I was in the zone when I said that. <laughs> True freshman, leads amazing comeback. Alabama wins in overtime, 23-20. to What a zone performance.
0: One moment to break down there, because the media is going to be, you know, taking this game second by second for the next couple of weeks, right? I mean, basically until... Super Bowls may be a bigger story. You've coached some of the biggest name coaches in the world. Take me inside, you know, the headset of Nick Saban. You're walking into that locker room, uh, you know, and it, it's got to be in his mind that he's hoping to tie Bear Bryant, the legendary Alabama coach that he's kind of always lived in the shadow of, you know. I mean, very successful in his own right, but Bear Bryant is.
2: Well, the icon, the, the icon, icon in, in, in,
0: in football definitely.
2: At that moment, I believe Nick Saban didn't think about anything but the first few minutes of the second half, and I, I really believe that he knew that he had uh, the best team. I believe he felt that. I believe that uh, that they didn't play well in the first half. They're only down thirteen points. That's not impossible, and um, he put in a freshman. Quarterback, because his offense. How many Nick Saban football teams don't score in the first half? None, almost (laughs) none. I think that's happened only twice in his career that he was completely shut out. And uh, that energized his team. It opened up the field. It put pressure on Georgia defense. And the momentum, you could feel it, it changed. Alabama, absolutely in the zone. Georgia could not meet the energy uh, to come back and score 20 points in the second half on this vaunted Georgia defense. So you got to tip your hat to Saban. I'm not sure what he said, but he got everybody individually locked into the second half. And that's really what a a football game is all about. You talk about teams, but really it's matchups the offensive right tackle against the uh, opposing defensive tackle. It's these individual matchups of the defensive backs and the receivers. And a a football game is definitely about energy, and the crowd has a lot to do with it, although there were more uh, Georgia Bulldog fans in that
0: stadium than there were Alabama fans. Can we give one more zone shout-out here uh, to uh, an alum interview uh, from a few months back? the Diamond Resorts Invitational in Orlando, Florida. You can watch it on the Golf Channel this coming weekend, uh, and Florida Hospital for Children is going to be benefited there. Uh, Mike Flasky, a, a guest on the show this fall, who is just absolutely fantastic.
2: Well, Mike Flasky and the entire uh, Diamond Resorts team, I, I've coached this company, and they are the world's most positive people. Uh, it, it, it's... Uh, they have events of a lifetime program. So, all the members that are buying uh, timeshare, uh, they don't even look at themselves as a timeshare company. Uh, this is just a positive company giving amazing experiences uh, to their membership. And they have entertainers all over the year, you know, throughout the year uh, that are entertaining and uh, old stories, all the way from Reggie Jackson of the Yankees. They bring him in, and uh, they invite their members to listen to war stories of Reggie Jackson. But they bring in country singers. They bring in football players. uh, They bring in uh, golfers on the Champions Tour and the PGA Tour. Uh, And this weekend, this week, uh, they are bringing in so many celebrities. This is going to be a fun experience. If you live in the Orlando area, you need to go down there and check it out. And obviously, it's for a great benefit So my hat is off to the optimistic company, Diamond Resorts International. You're going to have a great event this
0: weekend. And just one more tip, if you are listening to this podcast for the first or second time because somebody shared it with you, there are some podcasts that are really only meant to kind of live for that week. For example, I get up and listen to NPR's uh, Up First, which is 10 minutes of here's what's going on in the world. And then there are other podcasts that build on themselves. So, you know, you can go back and check out that Mike Flasky interview. That's one of my very favorites. But we've also got the hitting coach from the world champion Houston Astros. I mean, there is a lot of gold to be mined in the past episodes. So, let us join you for your commute—not just one day a week, but uh, you know, every day. As you get caught up, you find out what this score thing is all about, and you prepare to have the best 2018 that you can imagine. Well, let's talk about optimism.
2: You have a blueprint of what you want to do in your life, and it's tucked under your arm. You have a vision, you have goals, you have tasks for every facet of your life. And that alone will give you confidence. I know how to get there. I've got a roadmap. I I, I have a blueprint on how to build this life that I would like to have. Right in the middle, at the heart uh, of the SCORE success system, literally and figuratively, is the O. S-C-O-R-E, and that O stands for optimism. And right now, you have an optimistic part of you that is really dictating everything you're doing, whether you're going to have a smile on your face, whether you're going to have a bounce in your step. Do you believe? Do you expect? Do you know that the tasks, the to-do list that you've set out for yourself today, this week, is it really going to lead you to well-defined, measurable goals? And if the answer is yes, your optimism would, would be very, very high. And I, I think if things go wrong in your life, optimism usually takes the initial blow. It's something that impacts your ego. It impacts your belief, your faith. Uh, it questions whether you're on the right path or not. And I I think we've all had those alone moments when we have those slivers of doubt. Some of us carry those little tiny doubts like pebbles in a shoe. Uh, That was one of the books I wrote, The Pebble in the Shoe. But a pebble of doubt, that'll hobble even the world-class sprinter. Optimism. What is an optimist? Now, I had to have optimism as part of my program because My father, God rest his soul, was the president of the local Optimist Club, so (laughs) I I didn't have an option. And I look back at my parents, even though we were dirt poor, lived on a dirt floor in Appalachia, uh, and and I lived poor until about the third grade, until we moved to Ashland, Kentucky, down to the big city. Optimism was a common thread in our house. I I didn't even know we were poor. I asked my mother, "Are, are we poor? Baby, are you hungry? No, no, ma'am. Well, then you're not poor. Now, now get in there and go clean your room. <laughs> Even though I had a dirt floor, I had a broom. Who brooms their dirt floor? Me. But I didn't know that I was poor, Seth. I really didn't. I, I My mother would tuck me in uh, at night, and I, she would rub my hair and say, I believe in you. It seems like she did that every night. Of course, I passed that on to my daughter, uh, Colby. Uh, believing in someone, believing in your kid, but more importantly, looking in the mirror, believing in yourself. I've got a story I'd like to talk briefly about optimism. There's a little boy in the backyard, and through the window, we can see that he's playing a baseball game alone. He's by himself. and You can imagine that he's thinking about a Major League Baseball park, and there's a huge crowd, and he's at the plate. He's got a bat, he's got a ball, and he tosses the ball up in the air, and he takes a mighty swing. The ball falls to the ground, he completely misses. Strike one, I am the world's greatest hitter, he pronounces. I'm the world's greatest hitter. He picks the ball up. Tosses the ball up in the air, takes a mighty cut, the ball falls to the ground, he completely misses, strike two, I'm the world's greatest hitter, he repeats to himself, and then he dusts himself off, pulls up his pants, he grips the bat, he looks at the bat as if to see if there's a hole in it, he takes the ball, he throws it up in the air, And he takes a mighty slugger swing. Completely misses. The ball falls to the ground. Strike three. And he says, I'm the world's greatest pitcher. (laughs) Seth, that's an optimist. That is an optimist. Always looking for that thread of positivity. There's a five-second rule I'd like to give the listeners. You are only as great as the five seconds after every performance. This would be pertinent uh, for this football game this past week when uh, Alabama had a chance to win the game in regulation and the kicker misses the field goal. No time on the clock, put the ball through the uprights, you're the national champion. And he misses. The five-second rule works like this raise your head, don't go into the past, do not repeat, replay what just happened, unhinge your jaw, relax, turn your brain off just for five seconds, and then get your energy back into the moment. You're only as great as what you do, what you think, the five seconds after every putt, every driver, every swing and miss, Every field goal that you miss, you're only as great as the five seconds. How many times have we made a mistake and we've rolled our eyes and we've blown our breath and maybe we've banged our golf club against the bag? When you do that, you're going back into the past, you're replaying it, and you're going the opposite direction of where the zone is. The zone is a purposeful calm feeling that nothing can go wrong. And it's completely Locked into the moment, into the now. When you're in the zone, your eyes are dilated, locked in. In fact, you're in zone vision to the point where your eyes could even double or triple shutter speed, giving you the illusion that everything is in slow motion. But your body completely changes and conforms to this positive mindset. You know you're okay. You know that you will prevail. The five-second rule. Don't violate the five-second rule. You're going to have a lot of things go wrong in 2018, especially if you're climbing a steep hill to something that you really, really want in your life, some stretch vision or stretch goal. And if you have an abnormal vision, an abnormal goal, like winning a national championship or a world title or writing your first novel, if you have abnormal visions or goals, Seth, you gotta think in an abnormal way. And the abnormal way at the Jim Fannin show is extreme optimism, extreme positivity. Especially, especially when things don't go your way. You've got free will. You can react to anything you want to react to. I, I can get mad, I can get upset, I can yell, I can scream. I can bitch and moan about what just happened, but the champion is undaunted by what just happened. Next, that's the battle cry of the champion. Locked in, the optimist, I am the world's greatest pitcher. Let's talk about two tools that that you can use. First of all, (laughs) we've all been ambushed by something we don't want, something we don't like. Yeah. It's when uh, reality and expectancy collide and they don't mesh. Uh, that'll take a lot of people off our game. Uh, it's that sales call that I know I'm going to make. I've already spent the money from my commission check because I know it. And, and I walk in and the answer is no. It's not about you, Jim. I mean, we, we love you. We love your products or services. But, you know, we just got to go a different direction. And, and you walk out of there going, what the heck just happened? And, you know, disappointment. Now, that's where the five-second rule comes in play. But here's two other tools that you can do. This one is called the replacement. Every one of us needs a vision of a place and time in the future that you can see yourself successful, whatever that might be in your particular life. I have a client yesterday I talked to who had a setback But he has a vision of playing in Yankee Stadium. He has a vision, because he's replayed it many times in his mind, of having the game-winning hit to win for the Yankees. And this has been a dream for some time. He's now a part of the New York Yankees organization, minor leagues. But when he has a setback, he immediately replaces that setback with a vision. Of what he wants, and that vision can pull you out of a ditch like a AAA truck pulling you out of a ditch. How, how do you get out of those low moments? Now, I know we're at the beginning of the year. I know that everyone listening should be fired up. You've got a blueprint. You know what you want. But even in the middle of the first month of this year, there are some setbacks. There are some obstacles. There are some dead-end roads that we find ourselves on. What do you do? Replace any negative with what you want as opposed to what you don't want. Now, if you don't plan this, you will get ambushed. You will violate the five-second rule, and you will not replace it. You will get the damage of going the opposite way and not being in the zone. And I have to tell you, there is an opposite, mirror opposite of the zone. I affectionately call it the downs and just saying it is creepy. I don't just saying the down set feels heavy. It feels like a heavy backpack. It's cumbersome. It it's unwieldy. The downs and what can get you out of the downs, replace it with a vision and you need to keep that vision
0: throughout the entire year. So if, you were in that sales call position or whatever that is in your your business, in your life. You lose your biggest client. The The natural instinct is to walk out of there like Charlie Brown after he missed kicking the football and go, oh man, well, I really hope my second biggest client doesn't cancel on me today. That would be just my luck. You're pulling yourself into the downs. The replacement tool is about taking that away and getting back into being in the present.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the other thing is, is positive self-talk, and that's something that you need to regulate. You need to govern every single minute of your waking hours. You need to think about what you think about. If I could do a blueprint, a uh, printout of all your thoughts, even already today, Seth, and I look at it, you and I could both see that you're going to have a zone day or you're going to have a downs day. Based on that internal dialogue, that's crucial, how you talk to you. And I've told this to so many clients. Man, if I talked to you the way you talk to you, you'd fire my ass. I've told so (laughs) many people that. you got to talk to yourself like a champion. And um, do it alone. You don't need to be boastful in front of other people. Um, But you've got to really think that I can do this, that I will do this. That I am doing this. Optimism is the belief, the expectancy, and it's the sense of knowing that the plan that you have in front of you, those tactics for today, I can deliver the goods on that. And that no matter what happens to me, no matter how many score breakers or zone breakers enter my life, I will prevail. And that's something that I I look at the University of Alabama and I tip my hat. You're down 13 to nothing. National championship game. Pressure is on. The Georgia dogs are barking on both sides of the (laughs) ball. And optimism for the Crimson Tide did not waver. As a matter of fact, it increased. Sometimes we're at our best when things are at its worst. And that's really when the zone can arrive. The zone is designed, it's in all of us right this second, Seth. Everybody has the potential to get in the zone within a hundredth of a second at any given time. But the zone arrives when there is stress. Now, does it need to always be negative stress? I hope not. There's a term called stress. E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. He used a Greek word for good, like eureka or euphoria. It's good stress. This is stress that you place on you, on your terms and your conditions. And what are these things? These are goals, goals with timelines. And that's why the blueprint and being self-disciplined is so crucial. And that's why it's the biggest stumbling block for most people. But once you have that blueprint, Uh, Now you can focus better, and now you can start managing your optimism so you can stay on course. Let's talk briefly about visualization. How many times do you think you visualized already today, Seth?
0: I've actually been keeping track on my phone. So I wouldn't have said this eight months ago, but because I'm keeping track on my phone, you, you know, Every week we're talking about the visions your blueprint's gotta wake you up, it's gotta tuck you into bed at night. So the first thing in the morning, I'm visualizing what my day is looking like and what my twenty eighteen is looking like. So today I can I can honestly say one
2: a vision. Wakes you up in the morning, puts you in bed at night. And that same vision, Seth, you'll have as a replacement tool if you get sidetracked anytime today. But you have to be aware. Of your thoughts, because every single thought that you have equates to an image or a picture. Now, trust me on the math. If you sleep eight hours a night, you are awake 112 hours a week. All of us will spend half of that time, half of that time, 60 hours approximately every week visualizing typically about a challenge you have that you haven't given up on now those 60 hours are chaotic they're haphazard they come in 10 12 second bursts you have a thought for 2 seconds uh, then i have a thought man you know, i'm hungry i you know i need some food uh, we have all kinds of thoughts future past sometimes we're locked into the moment all day long but all of those thoughts are going to dictate whether you're optimistic or you're not. Are you thinking about the P word, problem? Or are you thinking about it's a challenge and I see the end game? I see the vision of what I want. That's the difference in an optimist and a pessimist. And that's the difference in being good at something or being great at something. It's about your inner Dialogue. Now, I want to talk about visualization because whether you believe in it or not, uh, you believe, trust me on this. You're you're you are visualizing. I had a heavyweight boxer who told me, "Well, I've never done this visualization stuff. I, I I I don't really know what it is. I'm not sure that it works for me." And I said, "Really? So so you've never visualized?" "No, I I, I don't visualize." I said, "Oh, okay. So." So tell me about your girlfriend. Oh man, she's so beautiful. I I love this woman so much. She treats me so nice. I, I'm I'm the most lucky guy in the world. I said, can you uh, can you conjure up her perfume right now? Could you? Oh man, she smells so good. I go really. Tell me about that scent. Oh, it's hard to describe, but you know, I I can smell it before she even enters the room, and and I just. It just makes me so happy. I said, wow, you are a great visualizer. You just visualized perfume, the beauty of your woman. You visualized everything about her. He goes, that's it? He goes, man, I must be an expert. I think about her all the time. I said, well, let's put her off to the side right now. Let's see if you can visualize a jab (laughs) and, and and a left hook. And, and that's really how he got into visualization. We're all visualizing, but are you visualizing proactively? That's the key. Is it proactive visualization? I've got a story on this, Seth. 1912, you know we got the Olympics coming up, Winter Olympics. They're coming up in South Korea. It's going to be interesting. 1912, on a ship, going to... Scandinavia is our U.S. track team. This is in 1912. We weren't flying there. The team was on a ship, and they'd laid a cork track on the ship. So the athletes would get up in the morning. They would do the runs. They would work out. They'd have individual coaches. And sitting in a lounge chair, not moving, was the great Jim Thorpe. And he was entered in the decathlon. And everybody's working out but Thorpe. He's in a lounge chair. And one of the coaches came over and started giving him, you know, a little bit of grief about, hey, aren't you going to get up and aren't you going to work out? He said, Coach, I've already broad jumped uh, 10 times already. And uh, I've already set my personal best record. And the guy looked at him and said, what time did you get out here? Oh, no, coach, I, I, I'm i doing it in my mind. I just set the record in my mind. Jim Thorpe, 1912, on his way to the Olympics. His team's working out. He's in a lounge chair, relaxed, visualizing winning the gold medal in the decathlon and winning the broad jump. And that's exactly what he did. And he went on and won another gold medal. And uh, the king of Sweden, Announced the world's greatest athlete, Jim Thorpe. Visualization, it's real. It's a part of you right now. You either adhere to it or not, but it's still going to happen. You are visualizing. You're hungry? Well, there's a picture of some golden arches. Hopefully, you're going in for a salad, Seth, (laughs) you know, not a Big Mac, but you're visualizing. Are you visualizing what you want? as opposed to what you don't want. Visualization. It's a part, an integral part,
0: of you being confident, of you having optimism. Just a couple more tools here in regards to optimism and the score system. Optimism and the score system and sleep.
2: Oh, sleep. Boy, we're a sleep-deprived nation. We really are. I think this is the biggest challenge in America, uh, maybe one of the biggest challenges in the world. We all need water. We need food. We need sleep. And when we are asleep, a lot of positive things happen. And, uh, but the one thing that happens is our energy is replenished. The other thing that happens is every thought that I had today is downloaded when I go to sleep at night. And uh, it's replayed once, every now and then twice during the night. Sleep is crucial. I I know there's a macho thing about sleep. You know, I only need four hours of sleep. I'm like a shark. I work 24-7. And that's the ego talking about how much sleep I don't need. But the truth be, we do need sleep. And we need deep sleep, deep rim sleep. And... uh, if you're struggling to get to sleep, I'll give you a quick little tool of getting that deep sleep, because it's not only going to replenish your energy, but that energy is going to give you even more confidence when, when you tackle the day. When you go to sleep at night, in that last 30 minutes, i turn off the television. Um, I wouldn't think about money. I wouldn't think about my kids. I wouldn't think about uh, my business. Um... I'd spend time with my significant other. I wouldn't talk too much about the past. I, I would be. i definitely have a vision about what I want in my life. But if you're stressed and you aren't thinking too much about negatives, this technique's pretty simple. It's called tension release. Let me do it with the, the audience right now. If you're driving a car, keep your eyes open but this exercise still works for you. Put all your awareness to your feet. And I want you to tense your feet, all the muscles in your feet. Tense them now. And now relax and release and feel the blood come back to that body part. Now let's work your way up. Tense the calves. Tense. Tense. And now relax and feel the blood flow back into the calves of both of your legs. Tense your quads, top of your thighs, tense, and now relax and release. Hamstrings, tense, tighten it up, and relax and release. Buttocks, both cheeks, tight as possible, just your cheeks, gluteus maximus, and relax. Let the blood flow back to that body part. Lower abs, tense release upper abs tense tighten it and relax and breathe, release. Peck muscles, chest tense relax. upper arms tense relax make two fists tight as you can, tense and relax. Now shrug your shoulders up to your neck. Squeeze it, squeeze it tighter, hold it, Seth, and breathe and relax. And now make an ugly face. Man, Seth, that's ugly. All right. <laughs> Tense. Tight and relax. And now you're lying in bed or or wherever you are, but this is a tool you can use before sleep or at any time during the day. Tense every body part on your mark. Get set. Feet, fists, buttocks, face. Go. Tense and relax. One more time. Tense and relax. And now think about what you want when 2018 is over. Picture it in your mind. Breathe. Hopefully you're in the six to eight breaths a minute. And now you'll drift off to sleep. I'd use tense, tension uh, uh, release. I'd use this technique before any visualization during the day. And if you're struggling to sleep at night, tension release will help you get a deep sleep. This deep sleep's a a big deal, Seth. Uh, You get seven, eight hours, and you visualize right before you go to sleep what you want. Everything in that last 30 minutes that you think about is downloaded when you get into a REM state But it's replayed not once, Seth. It's replayed 15 to 17 times, possibly even 20 times during the night. So if you really want to bolster your optimism and get more confident in putting, opening a presentation, closing a presentation, uh, winning an argument, a disagreement with someone, achieving any kind of goal, get yourself relaxed. In that last 30 minutes, see it as if it's so, see it as it will be, and your subconscious mind is off and running. You're consciously asleep, and your subconscious mind, it is making things happen. It's replaying those positives over and over again. Now, here's the kicker. You do this seven to 10 days in a row, all positive, your subconscious freaks out because of that repetition. It's going to do everything in its power to manifest it into its physical equivalent. I know a few of you might be raising your eyebrows going, really? This is how it works? Well, this is how it works with my clients, 2,500 clients, all walks of life. They've all used the tension release technique to go to sleep, and they're all visualizing only what they want when they go to sleep as opposed to what they don't want.
0: These tools are not just for use when you listen to the podcast that day. Keep coming back to this stuff. Keep coming back, keep coming back, and then keep joining us every week as we build on your very best year ever. But don't just make this a thing where it's only used on the day you listen to the podcast. You got to build this into your life.
2: Yeah, repetition really is the key uh, of going from good to great. Repeat, repeat, repeat. We need to learn from the past. We need to. Uh, Analyze, evaluate, and pull out those positive nuggets that we can take forward, and then bury the rest of it in the backyard like an old carcass, not not to be dug up again. So
0: uh, uh, learn from it and then move on. So Jim, we've talked a lot about tools here, but one thing we haven't talked about in 2018 is what's waking you up in the morning, what's tucking you into bed at night, what is it that you're visualizing. For 2018, as we're moving forward,
2: I mean you're talking to the audience. You're talking to I'm me. Th- I'm
0: talking to you. You're talking, I'm talking, talking me. to you. <laughs> oh, you're putting the
2: pressure on me. Wow, you know, you know, Seth. Um, I've been pretty private with my visions, uh, but I do have a prevailing vision in 2018. It it, uh, it stems really from something that happened traumatically to me uh, uh, over a decade ago, uh, but it's pretty prevalent. This year, and and um, I, I I'm envisioning this happen. Um, I'm not sure I was totally prepared to to share this, Seth. But okay. um, my I was an only child, and I love my mom, love my dad. I, I had great parents. I you know I never heard my parents uh, tell a lie. Um, I, I never. Heard a swear word in my house? How's that possible? How the hell is that possible? (laughs) I I never heard a swear word from my mom or dad. And I never heard them talk about the neighbors. Uh, There was just no negativity. I'm so blessed to have that. And one of the visions and dreams my mother had was she wanted to go to Paris. That was her vision, and that kind of woke her up. And she just wanted to go walk the... uh, Uh, Champ d'Elysée and uh, the Arch de Triomphe, and uh, she wanted to go to Paris. And I'd been to Paris many, many times, and this one year I said, Mom, I'm going to take you to Paris, and I was taking her to Paris. Well, in prepping to take my mom to Paris, I had a trip to Paris, and I called Mom and said, I'm going to Europe. She goes, "Uh, No, I I know that. She said, I've got something to tell you. I'm going to have to go to the hospital. I have a stent that needs to be put in. but, you know, I'm a nurse and I'm part of the hospital group and uh, they put stents in all the time. I said, Mom, w- when is that happening? While you're gone to Europe. I said, I'm not going to go. She goes, no, no, you have to go. I said, no, I'm not going to go. And, and I for uh, go, go that trip, did not take that trip. And I, I went to Kentucky to be with my mother. And she has a successful surgery, Seth. And the doctor comes in, your mom's great. She'll be out in a few minutes. And uh, so I felt pretty good. And I wait. And I wait. And I wait. Hour and a half goes by. Where's my mom? I'm going up to the nurse's stand. Now, my mother was the director of the school of nursing at this hospital. And so she knew all the nurses and they all knew me and who I was. And I'm going to the nurse stand and go, "Hey, hey, where's my mom? You know, what's going on? And intuitively, I could. I could see something wrong. I could could see in my mind's eye people hovering over my mother. And so now after two hours, I'm adamant, where's my mom? Two nurses wheel my mother in, and she looks horrible. My mom does. And the nurses are crying. And I guess the success of the surgery was real, but they drop my mom off the gurney. She lands on a wheel. Of the gurney ruptures her kidney, and my mom is dying from kidney failure in the last two and a half hours. And my mom looks at me, and I, I look at her, and and she's whispering at me, and and I I come down to her so I could hear her, and she says, "Score, take it to the masses." I go, "Mom, mom, re- relax, mommy, relax, mom, you you're gonna be okay, relax." And I'm looking at the nurses. And she squeezed my hand, and she says, promise me, take it to the masses. And I said, I I will, Mom. I I promise. I will. And she died right then in my arms. And I'm devastated. I'm um, in shock. It's a very surreal situation. I, I wouldn't wish this on anyone. But. Why did she say that to me? What why why would I promise something like that? Why would I make this deathbed promise to my mother, take it to the masses? And I have to tell you, it's it's been a vision that wakes me up in the morning and puts me to bed at night. I'm on a mission. Sell it, give it away. Doesn't matter. I we're at a tough time in our society right now. My mother would know that. If she were here, Uh, we're divisive, we're angry. Social media, Seth, we're downright mean. I've never seen anything like it. People say the meanest, horrible, nasty things to each other. We get away with it on social media, and it's even uh, come into companies and families, and there's just so much negative stress and negativity and worry. And I know there's some amazing factions of people. Diamond Resorts doing their part on a cultural level in their company. Extreme optimists they are, and there's a lot of companies doing that. Uh, There's a lot of positivity rallying around all different types of uh, positive things. But we, we need to change, Seth. We need to change how we think as a country. We need to be more empathetic with our neighbors. We need to be better neighbors. We need to be better people. And we need to treat ourselves better. And we need to talk to ourselves in a more positive way. And I'm challenging all of the listeners. It's time. It's time that we collectively and individually make a stand and refuse negativity. We get a positive attitude. We already know in our country. When we band together in one mission, we're unstoppable. We are the greatest country in the world. And some of you live in the greatest state in the world and live in the greatest city in the world. And some of you have the greatest family in the world. But it's time that we share that, that positivity. So if you get anything out of this show, pass it on. Be a better neighbor. Be a better friend. Call your mother. Take care of the people that you love. Be a better co worker. That's going to cause many of us to put our ego aside, and it's not all about me or all about Jim. It's about positive energy. And I think we turn our society into a positive energy force. Oh, my goodness, Seth. There's nothing that we can't do, and I think it's time that we do that. And uh, uh, I know our listeners, extreme optimists. I, I get the messages that we get the mailbag. It's people that are very concerned about it. But you know, like dropping a pebble in uh, in the water, there's a ripple effect. Well, jump in mentally with both feet. Do a cannonball with your attitude, and spread the cheer, spread the love. Um, Talk to strangers, look people in the eye, um, show no negativity to anyone. Why? Why would I need to do that? Uh, Why do I need to put other people down in public? Why would I put myself down? You know, Seth, I've I've even done this on stage three, four decades ago. Man, My rear end's so big, I feel like I'm being followed. I've eaten so much. You know, and everybody laughs and I laugh. The joke's on me. I'm talking negative, putting negative images, even about myself. So this show's about optimism. Become more optimistic. But you will be even more optimistic once you start spreading the cheer and you help other people be positive like a boomerang, it's going to come back to you. This is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The goal is send the positives out. You're going to get positives back. It's going to work. And it does work like that. Optimism.
0: That's what it's all about. Share the optimism by sharing the episode. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter and continue this movement of extreme positivity. And of course, We're not quite there yet because you hear all of these pieces of the score system, of the blueprint, but you don't actually have the blueprint book in your hand yet. But... Not yet. The good news is we're going to change that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the blueprint's coming out uh, formally February 27th. It'll hit all the major bookstores and you can order it right now on Amazon. Get a pre-order. And uh, I'm excited about this book because it's about... 2,500 extremely optimistic clients of mine, and um, it's their blueprint on how they reached their success in, in their industry and in their life, and it's all cataloged, so you can pick and choose from visions, goals, tasks, even key people in a sales arena or your family arena, your sibling arena. So every single arena of a person's life is addressed in this book. And uh, I'm sharing a lot of stories, a lot of anecdotes uh, about the clients I've had and, and their trials and tribulations on how they reach their visions uh, to be the best, genuine, authentic person they could be. It's all
0: in the book. And since it's not quite here yet, and you know we can't make something print faster than it's going to print... We're going to give you a piece of the book in every single episode. Reading from Jim Fannin's The Blueprint, which you can pre-order right now. Small business is obviously big business. Starting or owning a small business in today's economy is still risky. It takes courage, cash, consistency, and commitment. Experience definitely helps. Without The Blueprint, your chance of survival will be greatly diminished. This passage is fantastic. I'm going to pause for five seconds because when we started doing this show, You asked me what my blueprint was, and I used words like kinda and sorta and like, and it's sort of like this. And you're like, no, 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 that's not going to fly. You got to be clear. Getting back into the book. According to the U.S. Bureau of uh, Labor Statistics, about half of all new establishments survive five years or more, and about one-third survive 10 years or more. The probability of survival increases with the firm's age. You are the ultimate boss of your entrepreneurial enterprise. Keep your eye on the ball. You are in charge of everything from marketing to opening and closing your doors. When you see the big picture, uh, do you share it with your team? You're the boss and the visionary. The following story represents the champion mindset required of a single person uh, entity as in a freelance graphic uh, designer or blogger seeking to evolve into a successful entrepreneur enterprise with multiple employees. It was already a hot day as three men boarded a bus into the early morning hours. They were being transported to a construction site for their eight hours of arduous labor. Each man had the same job, all made the same wage. After several hours in the cruel sun, the men took a short break under the shade of a nearby tree. A passenger asked the first man what he did for a living. The disgruntled laborer scowled and replied, I put one brick on top of another, and then I do it again. The passenger asked the second man. He answered with no feeling. I'd do construction for a living. The third man, smiling and whistling, looked cheerful. The passenger said, why are you happy? Aren't you a laborer like your friends? The third man laughed and said, I'm happy because I'm building a beautiful church where the congregation will thank God for their blessing. I'm blessed to be a part of that. Three men each paid the same wage. Each had the same job. But only one knew he was an integral part of something greater than himself. The Blueprint, out February 27th. This is a book I've read more than once at this point, and I get to share a piece with you each episode. You need this in your life. Go ahead and pre order so you don't forget. And he got it on day number one.
2: Well, you know, with a couple of weeks into 2018, I know the people listening right now are optimistic, but you need to share that optimism. You need to paint the big picture for your team. People will work harder, longer, with more quality when they know what's the point. What's the big picture? Am I really an integral part of something greater than myself? And they'll also work harder when they realize that they're appreciated for who they are, and for what they do. So if you have a small business or a medium-sized business, uh, you don't manage people. You influence thoughts. What are the thoughts of everybody on your team, especially when they're alone? And you have a responsibility, and you will be held accountable, and you do have the authority to say anything you wish to your team. But what are you telling them? Is everyone pulling in the same direction? If they're not, well, that's on you. You caused that to happen in a negative way. Look in the mirror. And if you have to fire someone, that's on you. You hired them poorly or you trained them poorly. It's on you. Look in the mirror. But as entrepreneurs... You need to share that vision and share that positivity. That's why you got into business to begin with. You thought you could do it better, bigger, bolder, more profitable than someone else. And you had some passion that woke you up in the morning and put you to bed at night. But you got to share it. You know, everybody that's working for you right now really needs to be working with you. That's on you. Optimism—it is so contagious. It's infectious. We need to start an
0: epidemic of optimism. And of course, you're not just responsible for the optimism, which has been this topic of this episode of the Jim Fannon Show. Every day, you are the owner of your own score totals here, and that means that when you take a look and have score awareness and realize that my optimism, my optimism is a little low. My self-discipline's a little low. That means it's time to pull back up to the cafe. Well,
2: well you know the awareness of a low optimism level fixes that 90% of the time. If you're aware that you're not relaxed, oh, you'll take a deep breath and that that will fix it immediately. Here's the zone cafe. You're in your car and you're hungry for success. You are hungry to reach your vision, especially for 2018. And you're driving up to the Zone Cafe. There's only five menu items. You can order only one. and you can go around the block, come back and order something later. You can come back and order something tomorrow. But these five ingredients make up your overall attitude, and you're only as great as the weakest link in those ingredients. You can order a giant heaping plate of self-discipline, now, that's a blueprint. That's the willingness, commitment to stay with the task, to reach well-defined goals that take you to that vision. That's mistake tolerance, patience, stick You can order that, and maybe that's all you need to take you on a course of success. But you can also order a big slab of concentration, and that's focus, like a hungry cheetah that hasn't eaten in a week. Its focus is narrow. I eat now is what the cheetah thinks. And the cheetah is locked in on one thing, not trying to do it all, not trying to eat it all, save it all. He's locked in on one aspect of that blueprint. Do you need concentration? If you do, you can order it right now at the Zone Cafe. But maybe after today, you say, you know what, I need some optimism. Well, we've got a big bowl of optimism, the belief, the expectancy, a sense of knowing that the task, the goals, the vision in your blueprint, it can and it will be accomplished. You can order that. And if that's the missing link for you right now, grab that bowl and get out of here and start devouring it so that you can be more optimistic. But maybe, maybe you are optimistic and maybe you do have some discipline. But maybe you still worry a little bit. Maybe you still got a little anxiety. Maybe you got got some uh, uncomfortableness with the task at hand. Maybe you need some relaxation. A big, giant, cool, refreshing, big, big jug of relaxation. Maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need just to chill. Maybe you need to relax. And if that's what you need in your life right now, and that's the missing ingredient, place your order. Give me some relaxation. Get out of here so now that you can now have a balanced score level on to being the best that you can be. But maybe, Seth, maybe that ingredient is enjoyment. Maybe you need a little passion. Maybe you need a little bounce in your step. Maybe you need some excitement, some enthusiasm, some pep, some zest. And if that's what you need, you can order this giant bucket of enjoyment. That's the Happy Meal. Maybe that's what you need. That Happy Meal is the missing ingredient. Seth, you can come to the Zone Cafe. You can order anytime, time any of these ingredients. And again, you're only as strong as the weakest link in your attitude. And of course, we've called attitude your score level. Everyone listening has a high or low level of self-discipline, concentration, optimism, relaxation, enjoyment at any time. And tomorrow, when we're not on the air, or the next day, when we're not on the air, you can go to the Zone Cafe by yourself. You can mentally go through S-C-O-R-E and see what's missing. Every one of my clients for 44 years has their finger on the pulse of their score level. They knew and they know that they're only as strong as, as the weakest link in that score. And you know what, Seth? You're responsible for all repairs to this score chain. You're responsible for the maintenance of it. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about next week. Go share your optimism. If this show gave you a little bit of optimism, spread it around. Give it freely. And don't forget, Seth... Follow me. Follow me on Twitter. I'm coaching on Twitter. I'm coaching on Facebook. I'm coaching on Instagram. I- I'm excited about social media. It- it's a easy platform to share the positivity. But don't just take it in. Share it. Pass it on. Make your neighbors better. Make your family better. Make your company better. It's time, America. It's time that we look in the mirror. And we become our genuine, authentic, best self. Time to get in the zone, Seth. I hope you have an awesome week. And everybody, go out and make it a
1: zone week. Here is Kevin Kennedy and Rich Herrera with an Inside the Dugout Quick Fix. All five teams
3: in the National League West are getting better. All five are. The the Dodgers, the Dodgers with all that young youth, with all that youth, go to the World Series. They've gotten better and the the window will continue to stay open for them for a while. The Giants getting Longoria have kept their window open for at least two years before they're going to have to rebuild. So you give Madison Bumgarner, Buster Posey, add Longoria because he's a 30 something is not a kid. You, you give those guys in their early thirties, another opportunity to challenge the Dodgers. I'm not sure they have enough because the Dodgers are awfully good. Rockies are a playoff team getting better under Bud Black. Uh, Arizona's still getting better and they're, they're tinkering around over there. And then the ball club that I'm around every day, the San Diego Padres, I'm telling you after walking away from the winter meeting, seeing what AJ Preller has in store, that's the ball club that their window of opportunity is going to open in about two or three years when everybody else's
4: is closing. And if they could get another veteran like an Eric Hosmer to go with Will Myers to help those, uh, lead those young guys, that young offense that the Padres have building, uh, they're going to be pretty good offensively, uh, for, for, they could be good offensively for a long time. And one thing about some of these ball clubs is that they've got to have pitching, and that's the Giants. They need, still need a bullpen. I know they got Melanson and he got hurt, et cetera, last year, and he's still under contract for a few more years, but they got to have, uh, you know, fifth inning on, sixth inning on pitching, like they haven't had the last couple of years. But those are edible.
3: That's an addable piece that you can find.
4: Yeah, you can find. And as you said, they have money, right? They yeah. have the money to do it. I mean, if you know, if a guy like a Wade Davis, even though Melanson's already signed there, I mean, I'd kick the tires on as many Wade, guys. Wade was the setup guy for um Greg yeah, Holland. Greg Holland, he sure was. And and Herrera. Those are yeah. both setup guys. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if they get another guy, they get another big arm. And I know Strickland has a nice arm and all that, but he doesn't have enough command for me. If they need a guy that really knows how to get big outs in big situations and throw strikes, strike one, strike two. They do that to go with Melanson. And if he comes back and is the guy he was two years ago, then they're going to be, you know, pretty competitive. Inside
1: the dugout with Kevin Kennedy and Rich Herrera can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.